Welcome in, everyone. We're going a little bit uh, early tonight. It is Thursday, October 7th, 2021. Um, I am your host, Mark Reel, and welcome to State of the Family Courts. Um, I am coming to you live from Orlando. I'm currently at the American Bar Association Family Law Conference. I was slated to have a guest on tonight, but uh, we, call, we made a last-second audible after... Um, I sat through some panels this morning and I thought that I guess I could provide a little bit more perspective about what's going on and what's going through some attorney's heads when it comes to family court. Over the last 24 hours, I've had the chance to mingle and be around attorneys really from all over the country, from Alaska to Florida to California to New York uh, and everywhere in between. And I've had some interesting takeaways. Um, and then we'll wrap this episode up. We will take some uh, Q&A at the end. So I will, go, I, will, I will answer probably seven, ten questions at the end here. So drop your questions in the comments on YouTube or Facebook. And I will get to them. Um, so uh, before we get started here, I, I'm going to start the episodes off here uh, really every single week. Uh, we've made a push into creating change through all avenues here at the Father's Rights Movement. And the next frontier is helping to fund litigation. So if you're willing, if you're able to, we have a 1.2 million person reach on social media. If you go to www.tfrm.org donate, you can actually set up a reoccurring donation. Our goal, if we got every single person to donate just $1, that would be $1.2 million that we could use to effectuate change through all avenues, whether it be through litigation, whether it be through legislation, um, or or anything else that comes up. So I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I wanna, today's been a little bit of a whirlwind day. So um, anybody that's watched the show knows that I, I, I think that change needs to be created through three avenues. Uh, number one, first and foremost, dads need to be successful in family court right now. The more dads that are getting more custody, the more that we have to go to legislators to say, hey, this is the change that needs to occur. Number two is that legislation piece, which is where I actually started my morning this morning. And number three is the litigation piece that I talked about um, that the Father's Rights Movement is, is jumping in and hoping to back and support strategically in terms of creating change. Um, so as of this morning, I, I was on a call with a, uh, with a high-ranking state senator, and um, we had a very good call. And based on the information I was told by, by a few people, we're now in 2022 going to have 12 states, that are at least 12 states, 12 states as of today, that are going to have 50-50 equal and shared parenting bills that are going to get submitted, that are going to at least begin the legislative process this year. So that, that snowball that started last year, where we had six states create change, Arkansas ultimately get across the finish line, um, that, that snowball is getting larger and rolling downhill. Um, and, and so that's the positive. But then I, I stepped across the hall out of the little conference room I was in into the, uh, the ABA sessions, and it was the, the general session. And I want to give you guys perspective on from the inside as to what what's going through attorneys' minds and what's going through the most powerful organization uh, when it comes to the legal profession. Uh, really, really everything. I'll tell you this: 
There has not been a single word uttered by leadership of the family law section about anything equal in shared parenting. And the conversations I've been able to have one-on-one -on -one or in small groups with attorneys, they're relatively receptive of it. Um, but as a whole, the biggest concern in the, the big general session this morning was how the legal profession will look financially for the individuals in it um, in the coming years, whether it be, for example, the state of Arizona. Uh, they have something where now you don't have to be a lawyer to own a law firm. And there are a lot of other states, California, Utah, there's a few others that are actually trying to push through legislation where you won't have to be an attorney to own a law firm. What's that going to do? Um, a lot of attorneys are scared that's going to bring big business, that's going to bring venture capital, um, and that's going to bring people seeking profit. Um, probably, probably not the best thing for family law, uh, given that it is the, the cash cow that it is. And given that family law isn't, isn't the big settlements, it isn't things like that, it's billable hours. It's just constantly churning out those billable hours. So that, that was a big concern of a lot of attorneys today was the future of the legal profession and what it looks like, um, what it looks like financially. Probably though, the, the most concerning is after the general session, I got the opportunity to sit in on a uh, domestic violence panel. And this was uh, something that um, I, I can say I, I left very, very disappointed. So uh, the, the domestic violence panel was essentially prefaced on the premise that uh, parental alienation doesn't really exist or it's a tool that's simply used by individuals who perpetuate domestic violence. And um, that it, it's, it's a tool that is used to, to essentially attack the mother who's trying to, quote unquote, protect their child. Um, so that, that's something that um, it, it, was, it was a little bit uh, kind of concerning. Uh, I, I will say the main presenter in that was an individual who, if you go look, uh, the National Parents Organization just put out a, uh, a, um, an article where uh, there, I think there's 17 different organizations that are disputing the validity of this individual's research. Um, but essentially their research boils down to parental alienation, alleging parental alienation is a father's best tool in terms of, in terms of getting more custody. Uh, their, their research was extremely limited. We all know that family law cases are sealed. You can't go collect big swaths of data, but um, their, their research and their data showed that if a man alleged parental alienation, it essentially was the trump card to a woman alleging domestic violence. So I think a lot of us know and a lot of us have experienced that that's not necessarily the case. Um, that's very judge dependent. But there were a lot of attorneys that were, were thumping their, their fist on the desk saying, yes, yes, we have judges that believe there's too much parental alienation. And, and so that goes back to, I think one of the things here at TFRM we push uh, to a great extent is the not being the angry dad, not, not pounding our fist in passion speeches, yelling at people to try to get what we want. Um, because 
that uh, that plays into these attorneys' feelings. And I mean, this panel was premised on men perpetuate domestic violence against women and children, and then when things don't go their way in court, they allege domestic violence. Um, so that that's something that that we need to be cognizant of um, as as we push forward with this legislation, as we change the narrative um, in regards to uh, what what family court should look like. And, and I'll tell you, the second part of this panel was equal as equally as concerning. Uh, it was it was an individual who makes their living as a child's attorney. And um, I think everyone that watches knows I'm not a big fan of, of third parties getting involved. Um, I don't think in, a, in most cases, there are, some, there are some cases where it's necessary, but in most cases, these individuals have just created a living off of parents being ordered to pay them thousands of dollars. And this woman stood up there, she's from the state of North Carolina, stood up there and, and talked about how great child's attorneys were and how they were necessary and kids' voices needed to be heard. And the entire time I'm sitting there thinking like, this, this woman just gets a, a blank check um, or a blank bill that she just gets to send the parents. That's how she makes her living, um, is that the court orders parents to have to pay for that. And, and we have to get away from that, that pay to play, um, that true pay-to-play system where we don't have a, a justice system where the right things occur. We have a legal system where you have to pay um, to participate, and sometimes you're mandated to pay. So um, that, that's some of the things. It, it was really shocking and eye-opening. Um, and and we, we see this in, in a lot of states, um, Texas, West Virginia, there are a couple others where um, family law attorneys or attorneys in general are the ones that are are blocking um, this legislation from getting through. In a lot of cases, it's not Democrat, Republican. In a lot of cases, it is actually just one individual, a lot of times an attorney, um, that is maybe chairing a committee or is very influential that is going to block this legislation. Um, so. I had a conversation with uh, an individual who is is leading the charge in in one of the states, and one of his concerns was, um, "Hey, I don't know enough about the facts. I don't know enough about the statistics. I don't know enough about the details of of the outcomes in equal and shared parenting." And, and I pointed in the direction of some reading, of some literature that he can gain a grasp of. But as champions for this change, uh, we need to make sure that we. Um, we, we're educated and then we can educate other people in what I would call a mature adult way where it's not bickering back and forth and arguing it's able to lay out a set of facts able to lay out a set of outcomes be able to talk on the positive benefits that have occurred in Kentucky be able to talk about some of the major research that's been done that shows that kids benefit from relatively equal time with both parents um, and being able to communicate that to not just our neighbors, friends, families, but hopefully when you're given that opportunity to be able to communicate that effectively along with your story to legislators. So um, that, that's, that's been my experience so far. I think, I think that it's, although shocking, and I think a couple of individuals are very misguided um, in their thoughts and in, in what they're pu pushing and peddling. I mean, one of them had a half a million dollar grant um, that was riding on her getting that outcome. 
but uh, in, in general, there, there's a lot of individuals that are members of the bar that are open to it. We just need to be able to have the conversations with them um, about the, the facts of the issue. So with that, um, what I'll do here is we're, we're only about 15 minutes in right now. I will, um, we'll, we'll spend a half hour or so here. I'll take, take some questions um, that, that our viewers have. So let me, let me look through and find uh, some questions. Go ahead and drop your questions in the box if you have them, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook. No, Andy, this is not the real household. Uh, this is the uh, this is the deck at the hotel in Florida. This is a good question. This is a question we we I, I get a lot. Um, any idea on when there might be some changes on child support and it is still set up from the 50s? Yeah, a lot a lot of our family codes are are set up from the 50s, 60s, 70s, it's been decades since there's been major changes and they were set up when the dynamics of families were different. Um, one of the conversations that was had today was that we feel like in the next 20 years there's going to be fewer divorces because there's going to be fewer people getting married, but the number of purely child custody cases will go up because there's going to be more people be willing to be in long-term relationships and not get married. Um, the, the child support piece, usually my first comment on child support is that getting an equal and shared parenting bill in your state is usually the first step to fixing the child support issue. There are issues with it. Um, it's, it's necessary in some cases um, with Title 4D and the state um, enforcement agencies. It was essentially set up around one parent, more specifically the father, not being involved with the child. Um, and that's obviously not the case now. So I would say that there are changes. What changes need to be made? Uh, number one is that we need to take a look at, at really how much money it takes or how much money needs to be to be exchanged for that equality or for that to be appropriate. Um, and there needs to be guardrails that prevent poverty. Um, I, I, I know personally several men who, who get forced into bankruptcy because of the child support and because of the payments. Uh, man gets hit with a, let's just say, I'll give a very specific example. Had an individual, perfectly fine father, broke up with his girlfriend, they went to court, and when they went to court, they he was granted 16% custody. And when he was granted that 16% custody, he was hit with a $2,000 child support bill um, that was based off of his gross income. And he simply struggles to afford to survive for the next three to four months because he's been hit with that child support bill. So uh, the, uh, to my knowledge, there have been a few states, uh, Florida was specific to alimony spousal support. There have been a few states kick that around and I know there's, um, there's always conversation about Title 4D, um, at, which, is, which is really the, the, big, uh, the big ticket at the federal level that needs to be changed. Um, but I don't think you're gonna see a change in child support in any state um, substan or substantively in, in the near future. It's really gonna be about going after that, that rebuttable presumption. Um, and then once we get to that point, taking a look at what's fair, what isn't fair. So I hope that answers your question here. So 
All right, so we'll take LW here from YouTube. Why can't fathers sue for discrimination for not getting equal rights from the start? Um, this is a, a really challenging question, and this is a really um, a really complex issue because um, the the standard that's used. So we have forty eight, really forty eight states where quote unquote best interest of the child is the standard and i see it over and over again i think coming out of COVID, it's become even more common uh where i have a good number of clients who are hard-working dads that work long hours to be able to provide and support for their support their families and then mom has taken advantage of the un the expanded unemployment from COVID and hasn't worked and then goes in and files for a modification and says, hey, dad works these hours, so his mom's been watching her after school, or her, her, his, his new significant other's been watching him um, or putting him on the bus. And they go into court and say, hey, it's in their best interest for a biological parent that's available to be doing those things to do that. Um, so I've seen even, even issues uh, such, as, such as that lead to a guy losing losing substantial custody time. Um, I haven't I haven't had a client personally, but I, I've sat in court and watched the fact that the mom doesn't work and says I can have the child at any time. And then what she do? She cashes in on on a larger child support check. Um, so it's kind of a, a catch twenty two because that's probably going to keep her home even longer. And we got uh, Ryan here. Yeah, my my wife's aunt had me move to night shift to try to limit my time with my son. That's 100%. That's, that's the type of, of situations. And it's not necessarily where a guy gets forced, but um, especially with kids that aren't in school yet, or if a guy works a job where there's maybe, uh, I have some dads who, who work blue collar jobs in the trades and hey, their, their work day's done when, they, when, the, when the job's over that night. And that doesn't lend itself to a judge being able to put a black and white custody plan in place. And so that, that's, that's another dynamic and something that, that hasn't, that I probably think we need to discuss more, um, that there are situations where, where fathers, they, they may prioritize work more than the mother does. And that, that, may, that, that seems to be a, a reoccurring theme. And, and there's, sometimes there's no way you can get out of it. Uh, it's just a, a matter of, of fact that, hey, I got to work. I got to do this. This is what I'm trained to do. This is what I make good money doing. And sometimes that gets leveraged against you uh, when it comes to custody because ju in just about every state, if there's not precedential case law, um, there it may be statutory that um, it, there's going to be preference given if that time can be spent with a biological parent over being with a babysitter, even if that babysitter is grandma, aunt, whoever it may be. And Josh, you're kind of kind of piggybacking on that. Yeah, in California, um, Josh says I wasn't allowed to have my child in daycare for more than four hours. Um, that that's a pretty common uh, clause that gets tossed into custody orders in the state of California is um, right of first refusal uh, if it's going to be more than three hours more than four hours uh, you have to offer that time to the other parent rather than having the child watched by by someone else 
So that's another issue that that sometimes gets ran into with uh, with a dad maybe that that their job requires long hours or inconsistent hours. All right, let's find another question here. All right, status quo parenting time should not be used as a justification for post-separation parenting time. Um, I'm a, a big proponent of this. Uh, when you're in a relationship with someone, you play roles. Um, a lot of times that traditional role was mom was more of the caretaker and dad made more money. Um, and, and a conversation I have with a lot of fathers is, you may have to take a step back from work to get more time with your children um, because unfortunately, as of right now, many courts, they love the status quo. They're gonna stick with the status quo. Um, so you're really gonna have to make an effort and show that you are willing and able to take on more parenting responsibility. Um, goes back to I had uh, David Bassar on a handful of weeks ago um, and, and his concept of the, of the great dad declaration. You have to show them you're a willing, fit, and able father. Um, you, can't, you can't wait for them to assume that. But I, I completely agree, Thomas, that that status quo is, uh, is something that, that definitely harms a lot of men. It's shifting. There are a lot of professions, such as the legal profession, the medical profession, um, really, really all most skilled professions now, or most, most professions that require advanced education are heavily shifting female. Um, something I think uh, the latest statistic I saw was that uh, men account for only 39% of college graduates now. Uh, that, that's going to eventually trickle into um, 20 years down the road, there's going to be more equality when it comes to the C-suite in companies or executive leaders um, or business owners, whatever it may be. And um, when that happens, there's going to be um, there's going to be more equality in that status quo because mom may be the one making more money. Dad may have been the one that made the sacrifice when 20 years ago that just simply was was not the case. We'll take Elaine's question here. So Elaine says, do you believe that women will falsely accuse men of domestic violence so that they can keep the child away from their father? Uh, I, I believe the answer is yes. I don't think necessarily directly lying is, the, uh, is necessarily the most, uh, most common uh, situation. Um, but I do honestly believe that um, fathers will, uh, or that mothers, let, 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 me, let me take a step back. Domestic violence is so broadly defined in so many, um, it is in so many states that it makes it extremely challenging. Um, in California, we had added to our family code course of control. And the conversation amongst attorneys is like, well, what does course of control mean? Um, 
we think it means that they're accounting for the digital age, turning off our cell phone, checking the text messages, whatever it may be, but it's very vaguely defined. So it's one of those things where um, it is it can be extremely challenging uh, to to say whether they're lying or not or whether they're attempting to utilize the family code to ultimately um, get what they want, which may be that more time with the children. We'll take uh, Ryan's, Ryan's statement here. I, my hope is the future generation of judges, once we get these old heads out, they will realize that we are the generation that fathers walked out on, making us more driven to be great fathers. I honestly believe that that, that, is, that is true, that is the case. Um, the younger judges typically are more willing and likely to grant substantial parenting time and maybe not take as deep a look at status quo. Um, that, that's just something that, that I've personally anecdotally seen. We've seen a small increase in the parenting time for fathers. So that, that is something that uh, moving forward in the future we, uh, we may get. Um, or, or I think we will get that, that they're going to be more open to 50-50. I've seen a lot of judges 2255 week on week off becoming um, much more common. So that that is something that uh, we we will uh, I think we will see. So um, with that, I know this is a little bit more of a of a truncated episode, um, but the uh, like I said, I, re I rescheduled the guest because I thought that there was some important stuff that we uh, we covered today at the conference that that I think that the general public needed to be aware of in terms of where the legal profession is and what it's doing. So um, I hope you can take a little bit more bite-sized information, understand what's going on, go out there and educate yourself. And um, next week I will be back with a full episode uh, with a guest. Um, we're, we're finalizing that guest right now. So um, thank you all for watching. Thank you everybody that asked questions and we'll see you guys next week.